0: Welcome to today's episode of Doing Good as we celebrate H.G. Stovall. He grew up in a small town in Tennessee and understood the impact of coming out to his parents. Fortunately, Mama Gail had an unexpected reaction. Today, he carries on her message of love in his own way by volunteering with his church and LGBTQ youth. Well, welcome, H.G., to the Doing Good podcast. We're so happy that you're here with us today and sharing your story about passion and volunteering. And I wonder if you could introduce yourself to the listeners out there, just so they have a better understanding of who you are and your background.
1: Thanks, Megan. I'm H.G. Stovall. I'm a Nashville native almost. Uh, We talk about those being unicorns. I got to Nashville, Middle Tennessee when I was seven and grew up in a household of committed volunteers one way or another, whether it was helping the neighbor or tinkering with the um, air conditioning at our church. It's just kind of in my blood from my parents. Hanging out with old people, taking them food, that kind of stuff. So that transitioned me into really a lifetime of uh, community service in a lot of ways whether it's with my local church or currently in my position as chair of the board of Nashville Launchpad. So tell us
0: a little bit about your history of volunteering. It sounds like your main role right now is with Launchpad, but I wonder, you, you started as a child and helping out and bringing food to people who needed it, and I'm sure in other ways and perhaps between then and now. So if you can tell us, just walk us through a little bit about your background in volunteering and a, maybe a story or two, if that helps us understand who you are.
1: Yeah, of course. So, you know, I have to be mindful and grateful of the seventh grade PE teacher who realized that maybe I had a different calling from some of the athletic guys in my class. And he said, HG, what about, about student government? Would you be interested in student government? And the connection was born. And next thing I know, I was on the student council, and I was volunteering in the concession stand for the basketball games. And that just started growing. Then I was in marching band. And then I was president of the Criminal Justice VICA, Vocational Industrial Clubs of America chapter at my high school in Mount Juliet. And that kept going to my fraternity, to the Interfraternal Council, to the student government at Tennessee Tech, where I was on the Supreme Court. And The late 1990s was not a real safe place for a guy who felt like he was gay and needed to come out at Tennessee Tech in Cookville. And I transferred to MTSU. And for my parents, I asked them to go to a PFLAG meeting one night to help them. PFLAG is parents, family, and friends of lesbians and gays. Awesome. Helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we got started there. And one of the things that PFLAG says is that when you no longer need PFLAG, That's when PFLAG needs you. And after my parents uh, and I became a little settled, before I knew it, we had an opportunity for a co-chair of that group. And as sometimes happens to me, the vacuum is identified, and I sit quietly, hoping not to have every eye in the room turn to me. And it did. And that led to several years as co-chair of PFLAG. And that introduced me to the work of the Tennessee Equality Project, where in the marriage amendment that eliminated marriage equality completely in the state of Tennessee, I became connected to GEP. Several, several, many years of leadership in various levels in that organization behind me, that brought me to Launchpad, where we're making a difference for these young adults, 18 to 24, experiencing homelessness, in Nashville's only shelter dedicated to young adults that is also LGBT inclusive. I've been serving as the board chair since June of 2020. Actually, that might've been June of 2019, come to think about it. It's not real clear. It feels like yesterday and it feels forever pandemic. I think it was 2019, come to think about it. So when I walked into Launchpad, we had the opportunity to hire our first full-time paid staff member that was not seasonal, a year-round staff person, our executive director. And so I had the pleasure of walking them through what that looked like, because that was a thing I had done with TEP as well, bringing and onboarding the first paid staff. Before our wonderful ED could get his feet under him, we had COVID. So my role has been a change agent, and it has been what I sometimes call being the crazy idea guy for Nashville Launchpad. That's great. And so what is your role with Launchpad? Sometimes my executive committee says, oh, well, of course, it's HG, so we're either going to go big or go home. So I will just pitch something, whether it's a donor or it's a relationship or it is, what if we throw this spaghetti on the wall and see if it sticks? And I think there's a lot a lot of growth uh, yet to be seen with Launchpad. Everybody should stay tuned for sure.
0: That sounds like fun. What does that mean?
1: Well, that's a really interesting question. For the first six and a half years of Launchpad, we were almost 100% volunteer driven. We had volunteers that could cook and drop off meals for our guests and our church sites that were hosting us. We had volunteers that could work the check in table, accepting backpacks and things so that these young adults could rest without worrying about their belongings being safe. We had volunteers doing laundry. We had volunteers staying overnight as chaperones so everyone could again sleep safely. Because what Launchpad says is all youth deserve a street free sleep.
0: That's great. It sounds like it's there are definitely projects in the works, but it also sounds like it's a whole team of volunteers. So can you describe for us, I know you already explained what Launchpad does, but can you explain how it functions and maybe the role of volunteers in that? Isn't it something?
1: What we know is if these young adults are sheltered in their own population, They can see hope. They have even told us, if we are in a typical adult emergency shelter, and all we see are people that are 10, 20, 30 years or more older than us that are experiencing homelessness, it kind of diminishes our hope because it exposes us to the potential of that being a life sentence. We believe so. And that's why we're committed to this different kind of shelter that is for this population. And what we know from the Cindy Lauper Foundation is that LGBTQI individuals experiencing homelessness are many, many times over more likely to experience that. I believe the number is 120% more likely. Isn't it something?
0: It is something as simple as that that brings us all together on the same playing field. That's
1: right. And what we know is if these young adults are sheltered in their own population, they can see hope. They have even told us, if we are in a typical adult emergency shelter, and all we see are people that are 10, 20, 30 years or more older than us that are experiencing homelessness, it kind of diminishes our hope because it exposes us to the potential of that being a life sentence.
0: And again, that's for anybody. And hope is the key, isn't it? For so much in life.
1: We believe so. And that's why we're committed to this different kind of shelter that is for this population. And what we know from the Cindy Lauper Foundation is that LGBTQI individuals experiencing homelessness are many, many times over more likely to experience that. I believe the number is 120% more likely. Well, why? A lot of reasons. Uh, Family acceptance, family dynamics, Sometimes there are religious overlays into that and communities of faith who don't honor someone's sexual orientation or gender identity. Sometimes it's just culture, but we know that that's a challenge.
0: Absolutely. Well, it sounds like Launchpad is really getting started and going and making movement in this journey, really, for the organization and for each of the people it serves. So as the board president, what do you do and why, are you, why do you light up? when you think about your role with Launchpad and as a board member?
1: So it's interesting you say light up. I've been accused of lighting up when I talk about the work of Nashville Launchpad. We frequently share what's going on in our lives in times of um, what we call glory sightings in some of the work that I do. And people ask me about Launchpad. Either they say, why is it you light up? Or they say, it's been a week and you haven't mentioned Launchpad. What is going on? Well, I feel like I'm an ambassador. I feel like it's my job to make connections. I feel like it's my job to listen to our executive director and our volunteers and our site sponsors so that we continue doing the very best we can. We think about the love and generosity of West End United Methodist Church, of East End United Methodist Church, of all of these churches that have come together to show love. Unconditional, question-free love relationships are everything. They really are. We know that our young people have lived a life with not a lot of boundaries sometimes. And so, you know, maybe it takes a couple of nights to realize that they're actually safe and valued in our shelter. The love of City Road United Methodist Church, Connection United Methodist Church, and Donaldson, and all of the others that give not of their space, but of their time and of their volunteer hours. And of their gifts, whether it's $10 or $1,000, allow us to do this work. We operate on a tiny, tiny budget, and we do a lot. And you'd ask about volunteers. That shifted in the pandemic. For the safety of our guests, for the safety of our volunteers, we shifted to a hotel model during COVID-19. Our budget just about tripled overnight.
0: So what your launch pad pays for the nightly stays for these youth in hotels?
1: That's right. mm mm-hmm. Rather than maybe
0: at the different churches locations before.
1: That's right. That's right. So, you know, we went from having overnight paid staff and an ED to lead us to having the hotels and still needing staff. And even in the crater of the hospitality world in Nashville, hotels are still not cheap. And we also know that there's this added layer of dignity that comes to our young people We'd hoped for a long time that we could do more than give them a mattress on the floor in a loving church fellowship hall. And not a lot of people tell you COVID is a blessing, but in, in the way that our community has stepped forward to fund this shift for us, we have blessed approximately 20 to 25 young people every night wow. who were not out in the cold.
0: Wow, that's great, especially during the winter months. Oh my goodness, that's life-saving. And a second ago, you mentioned there's this added layer of dignity that comes with what exactly?
1: Yeah, I think it's the dignity of having somewhere to sleep two nights in a row, having somewhere to spend your day, whether it's looking for a job or having a place to stay warm until you go to work or knowing that you can leave a bottle of shampoo in the shower. These are the kinds of things that you and I probably take for granted. I, I love to snack on pistachios and bacon jerky. I'm a Southern boy. Clearly. <laughs> yeah, I am, but we know that. And let's just think about not having to carry everything we own on our back. Night to night emergency shelter was only that. And now these young adults can leave a few belongings behind knowing that they're going to be there when they get back, knowing that they have a safe, warm, familiar place to come back to.
0: Why? I know you've already expressed a little bit. You've given a hint to us about your, but when you realized you were gay and coming out to your family and I'll say the ripple effect it has throughout your life. And obviously that's a connection to Launchpad and who it serves. But what is it about Launchpad that really makes you passionate? Like, why are you, HG, so passionate about volunteering in this way if this maybe adds another layer to it? I wanna know more about you.
1: Yeah. So, when I really began to realize that being gay wasn't gonna go away, probably 20 years old, I knew of all these stories of people who had lost the connection to their family. What I knew was that it was scary. And I kept hoping it would go away. I had always thought that I was going to have a house full of kids. And I think I clung to that. And I waited and I waited and I waited. And when I thought that I could not continue to live in the same city as my parents without them finding out, because, well, how many HGs do you know? Bobby Bobby, and Joey and Billy can come out. And that's okay, because there's more than one of those. But how many HGS do you know? <laughs> so I'm sorry, but especially I know. In small town. Yeah, you can't get away with anything. That's that's right. That's right. <laughs> I never could. I'm an only child. I never had a scapegoat. So anyway, I um, I just I gave up one day, and much to my kind of surprise, my parents were great. But I had to come to a place where I had so much inner turmoil that it was better. To find out if they were gonna disown me than to continue to know that it was driving our relationship apart because I couldn't be my authentic self.
0: Authenticity is the bottom line, isn't it? And especially the way you're talking about relationships being so key to serve, but it's for everybody. Yeah, and it's, and here you are talking about the relationships within your own
1: family. And then that was probably you know, late, late winter, early spring, probably March or April. And when my birthday came in August, for the first time in a handful of years, I felt like I could celebrate with my friends and my family together. And my amazing parents opened up their home and said, we want you to invite every gay boy whose parents does not love them into our house for your birthday.
0: Yeah. What wonderful parents you have and how terrible that A, there's anyone out there like that having to go through that experience, but B that there's so many.
1: And it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. I used to joke that mom was more popular when we went downtown for the Nashville Pride Festival than I was. <laughs> go Mom. Go Mom. <laughs> and it then gained so much traction with P Flag. My mother answered the phone one evening. And a young man, about 30 years old, said, Mama Gail, that's what they all called her, Mama Gail. Mama Gail, uh, I just accidentally told my dad I'm gay and he's on the way to my house and I don't know what's going to happen. Well, Mama Gail got herself in the car and she drove 35 or 40 minutes to this guy's house and marched in the front door and said, well, Mr. So-and-so, how are you feeling? And he says, well, I just don't understand. I don't know why he thinks he's gay. This is ridiculous. And Mama Gail kept going. And she said, I hope that you can find it in your heart to continue to love your son because he's amazing and he's wonderful. And he has shared with you who he is finally. And he's scared to death. Your job is to love him. So that is part of not just me, but the entire Stovall family loving on Launchpad. Mama Gail delivers food boxes every week to our shelter. That's terrific. So that the young adult guests that we serve can cook some of their own meals the way they want them. What a concept. Yes.
0: Yeah, I kind of feel like I want to meet Mama Gail, (laughs) especially right now or anytime we all need a virtual hug from Mama Gail. That's right. Yeah. And I think she'd be there for all of us. Yeah. Well, then, so how would you explain your passion? you've talked about where it comes from but how you've decided or chosen or maybe it was chosen for you to funnel that passion into
1: volunteering does it all come back to your pe teacher <laughs> that's a, that's a piece of it it comes back to the pe teacher and it comes back to my parents growing up dad could fix anything and if he couldn't fix it then it must not have been broken was what we used to say and he was always doing that for other people he was the man that they called when You know, somebody would realize they'd left their house unlocked and he would walk down the street and go through their house with them. He was the man they called when, you know, there was a a car that had failed or an air conditioner that had failed or whatever. And I just watched that and I absorbed it. And whatever piece of my personality that doesn't allow me to sit still, it challenges and channels me, I'm going to say it, into doing good. Now, I I know that was really cheesy. I hate cheesy good. I like it. I love it. Oh, I wish everybody could say that. And the PE teacher didn't hurt. You know, he just added a little more fuel in the direction. Finding the church I'm a part of now helped. Tell me more about this. I'm part of a church called Connection United Methodist Church in Donaldson, just outside uh, Nashville near the airport. And my whole life, I had known that there was more to a relationship with God than sitting in the pew on Sunday morning there was more than sending money to some other country. But until I found this little United Methodist Church in Donaldson, I had not seen real, true love and care for our neighbors literally next door in our community.
0: What does that look like through the church?
1: Well, you know, it looks like Launchpad, or it looks like not saying we can't help when someone knocks on the door at church or not volunteering at the food bank. It looks like doing something here at home. One of the most beautiful things in the pandemic for our church is that we mobilize this little team that delivers communion elements. And right now they're delivering ashes for Ash Wednesday so that even though we are choosing to worship remotely from home as a matter of safety, people can still participate. That's what it looks like.
0: It's the love and care and what that looks
1: like through the service in the church. That's right. It is showing tangible love to your neighbors and the people around you.
0: I love that you said that in that way, too, because every nonprofit everywhere is applauding you. (laughs) Because truthfully, when people volunteer for what I would call a structured nonprofit, They are able to accomplish more as individuals and as a group than if they were to just step out the door and do something nice for somebody, which is incredibly important and helpful and makes a difference. I'm not knocking that, but it is incredible to see however many, or even however many, few (laughs) people whose collective efforts are impacting one mission. And it sounds like you're seeing that live out through your church, through your place of worship whatever type of place of worship it is. And for some, it might be, I'll say, a group of friends who just believe in some higher power. But you're seeing that live out through Launchpad, through your church, etc. So I think that's exciting.
1: I do want to add a church that I forgot to mention, which is Ray of Hope Community Church. So if the churches get listed, Ray of Hope is a wonderful supporter as well, and they should be on the list. I don't think that you have to have a faith community to be a good member of society. There are plenty of churches who don't know enough for their community, and there are plenty of people who pour their heart and soul into supporting the people around them who may not have that kind of connection to a faith community, and good for them. I, I said something very unpopular one day to the leadership of our local church in the middle of COVID, which was, I believe the least important thing we do sometimes in that building is sit in the pew and listen to scripture and listen to music and listen to the pastor. The most important thing we do is host the homeless and feed the hungry and offer space for the AA meeting and the Narcotics Anonymous meeting or whatever else it is. The ministry is what is most important. It's not the organ and it's not the stained glass.
0: I think that's an image that a lot of people, it might need to sink in for a lot of people. Can you, keeping privacy in mind, Share with us one or two stories of your joy or maybe sadness, just an experience you had through volunteering and maybe how that affected you. And I would like to better understand what you experienced as a volunteer with homeless youth who are LGBTQ.
1: So I knew how Launchpad worked before I volunteered for the first time. At least I thought I knew. And I was trained in our volunteer training. We have an amazing curriculum that helps provide an understanding of what these young people go through. It provides sensitivity training for how to speak as lovingly as possible and without being overbearing to these young people who we have not probably shared a lived experience with. And the first night that I walked into shelter to volunteer, I was not prepared for what would happen as I stood in the doorway of a closet accepting people's backpacks and duffel bags and even grocery bags that they were using to move their belongings around. A young person was standing in line and they approached the table where I was receiving checked bags and giving out bed rolls. And I said, I'll, I can take your things. And they said, here, you can have this. But they held on to a paper spiral bound notebook. And I said, I can put that with your things. And they said, no, I, I have to keep it with me. I said, but we want you to be able to have a nice hot shower. I'll have to take it with me. This young person had experienced such trauma in other shelters. They weren't allowed to live into the gender they felt comfortable in. They weren't allowed to be called by their chosen name. They were forced to use what we call their dead name, the name of the self that they've left behind when they transitioned forced to use the name given at birth instead of the name that they identify with. And this young person was so threatened that they didn't feel safe leaving their journal with a volunteer behind a locked door because they had not been honored as the person that they were. A week later, I was able to see them again. And this time, they gave me their notebook when they checked their belongings to check in the shelter. And I remember it being a very cold night, and I remember our hands brushing one another. And they said, oh my goodness, you're so warm. And that's the thing. I'm always warm. And they said, can I, can I hold your hands? And we held hands there for just a minute. Their hands warming up, my hands giving that warm. And when I saw them in shelter again a couple of weeks later, they came to me so quickly and said, I'm cold. Are you warm still? And I got a hug. And I'll be honest, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cry a little bit. But all I could think about was them being so timid and so scared when I had first met them a month or more prior, that they didn't trust me with a spiral-bound notebook. And that my being there and showing them that they were loved and valued as the person they deserve to be gave them such comfort and hope that although it took weeks, they were able to ask for a hug. And when I look back on that, it's even more timely now because many of us know what it's like to go weeks and months without a hug right now.
0: Because of COVID.
1: Because of COVID. Because of our need to balance safety and comfort.
0: Now that is a direct correlation if I've
1: ever heard one. Again, COVID has given us some really strange gifts. I argued with a friend And I I, I shouldn't say argue, but I had a very heated discussion with a friend one day who said, well, I haven't been affected. And I said, oh, honey, we've all been affected. And she said, well, I haven't been affected the same way somebody who lost their job was. And I said, that's right. You haven't been affected financially, but it's important for us to remember that this is a time that is taxing for our mental health and we have all been affected. But let's also be mindful of how much more affected people are who have experienced death in their family, whether chosen family or not or job loss, or homelessness. This has turned our world upside down. And it has given us a new opportunity to find new ways to show love through volunteering.
0: I love that. I love that.
1: Whoops. (laughs) Nobody told me to get the Kleenexes.
0: I love how you're stating things, but is there anything you have left in you that is, say, a message you want to get across or a story you want to share or what else is in your heart that you really want to make sure
1: somebody hears? As I think about the privilege that we have to hear a podcast, it reminds me that not everyone has that privilege. A friend volunteering with me in shelter one night said, why do all these young people have a nicer cell phone than me? And I said, because they don't have a home. And it is the only connection that they can keep with the bus schedule and whatever family they might have a strained relationship with. They don't have a computer. They have a phone. And thinking about that, I think we all have an opportunity to show a little bit of love, share a little bit of our privilege. Maybe you pick up a shift and volunteer somewhere. It doesn't matter where. Or maybe your neighborhood has a blessing box where you can drop off an extra can of vegetables, an extra bag of dried beans. But every day when you get to lay your head in your warm bedroom, I would just beg you to consider those who don't have the same privilege and the same resources that you have. And think about how in the last day or the last week, you have honored those with less through giving a tiny bit of what you have.
0: And giving a tiny bit of what you have does not mean it has to be a minimum of so many hours a week or a month or in a year. It does not mean that you have to write a certain huge check. It just means something. And everybody has something they can give time, effort. They could sit at home and make phone calls for the nonprofit. They can do. People can do anything, and especially if COVID's shown us anything, we can all do something from home. And granted, every nonprofit is different in how it functions, but you're exactly right.
1: I believe that that is right. Sometimes what we have to offer is relationships and resources that a nonprofit doesn't know about. Yes. How important. Mm -hmm. I have a board member that at least once a month offers me a connection to an organization or a community that I didn't know about and if I pull that thread I don't know what could happen and I've mentioned being the crazy idea guy but I think that if you don't ask the answer is always no if you do not look into something the answer is always no if I was more of a sports guy you know I would say you miss 100% of the shots you don't take But we've established that's not exactly my role in this world. Hence, a PE teacher gently guiding me into student council away from basketball.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How we appreciate that, PE teacher. I love it. And when you're saying this, too, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. Do you mean for the volunteer who doesn't ask the nonprofit if they can help or how?
1: I think that's right. If we do not offer ourselves for the good of our community, we'll never know how we can impact it.
0: Well, I can't thank you enough for your passion and your time and your storytelling today. I have so enjoyed you, HG Stovall. And, and we really do appreciate your enlightening us and giving us more understanding of those you serve through Launchpad and through your church and through other activities, frankly. I think it's a world that some could have ideas of, but few have experience with. So thank you
1: so much. Yeah, this is great. Thanks for having me, Megan.
0: Doing Good is a 501c3 nonprofit and is run 100% by volunteers. So yes, we are volunteers highlighting volunteers to celebrate those who do good. Thank you for listening to the Doing Good Podcast.